Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film The Favourite. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that some elements of the plot are discussed and may be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Hello, hello. There you are. I thought I was just—we were just going to have to do the whole podcast with me sending you the extremely weird sticker emoji things in Google Hangout. <laughs> we'll have a very abstract podcast one day where we just do that. Yeah, that's yeah. Would it even be a pod? I mean, nobody even had pods anymore, right? <laughs> Apart from Wales. Yeah, that's true. They're they would have the pods. The Welsh would love it. They'd they'd really go for it. <laughs> Well, I, I was referring to whales, the animals. Yeah, everybody loves whales, <laughs> the animal. Fun fact: that was the original title for the film *Big Miracle*, starring John Krasinski and Drew Barrymore. Have you seen it? I have not. No. That's a that's such a film we should talk about at some point. But it was originally titled *Everyone Loves Whales* because he's like a whale conservationist guy. I think. That's, oh, okay. Yeah, quite quite a nice role for him. Oh, I see. Anyway, <clears throat> that's enough about whales. How are you? I am all right. I am tired and cold, as it is the end of January going into February, a.k.a. the worst period of the year in England. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, all the goings-on in politics not helping, really, are they? It's no, also like no. we always we record at 8 o'clock, which is always after Channel 4 News, which always has, like, really, like, good but horrific coverage of all the Brexit nonsense. And I shouldn't watch it before recording because it just makes me furious. But the good news is that we're, we're going to talk about a film that I think that I like. So that's good. good. If good. it was, if it was like, if it was a film that I there was any chance that I didn't like it, having just watched like an hour of Brexit shenanigans with them, always seem to be like interviewing that same idiot bloke from the DUP who used to be a business studies teacher. Like if it was just that, <laughs> if it was that, and it was, it was a film that I was inclined to dislike, I would probably be really, really going for it. You would be setting things on fire metaphorically. And physically. And physically. You'd just be, I'd just be watching your feed as you set fire to everything around you. Yeah. And then I, I lift up my teacup and I'm like, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Because life is memes. Life imitates art. Art imitates life. Everything's a meme. There is no life. There is only meme. (laughs) I mean, how else to explain Jacob Rees-Mogg? More like Jacob memes Mog. Exactly. Exactly. Hashtag Mogmentum. (laughs) The the worst of the political movements. Yeah, the, the absolute worst. It always seems to be really really weird 18 year old guys who think they're attractive enough to be youtubers but aren't because all youtubers look the same they're all skinny and have haircuts and it's all guys <laughs> like guys like that who like act as if they've like ha- been laid but have not definitely you, and all have tiny penises and watch top gear you've missed out the major demographic of people who are young but look like they're about 50 oh yeah yeah Yep, they're definitely um like down with the momentum. They they're all about 
Jacob Rees-Mogg, the most charismatic, intelligent politician of our time. <laughs> a man so posh, he was called upon to be a poshness expert on the Ali G show back in the 90s. A man so much like Walter the Softy that he is Walter the Softy. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no, there's no distinguishing. But you're actually not hearing from him so much anymore. He's, he's there. He's definitely there in the background. You know, like a bad smell that you can't get rid of. But there are, you know, you're hearing more from these mad blokes in the DUP at the moment. It's crazy. Well, it's them, and the, the the problem is that Jacob Rees-Mogg is part of the ERG, which is being very, very vocal at the moment. The ERG. Um. So that that the the erg that that entire collective of terrible badmen i i um, refuse to call it the erg it's just going to be known as the erg because it sounds bad it sounds <laughs> it like it sound sounds bad, like a, the, the um like a big villainous super organism in some sci-fi show we, like the, the we thought we were safe we thought we were safe among the stars but then the erg attacked <laughs> yeah david Lin- david lynch is, is the erg <laughs> Yeah, humanity humanity reaches out into the stars for the first time for real the first real interstellar travel. But when they reach their next solar system over, they find that actually the Erg is the dominant species. And knowing that humanity is is available to be consumed by the Erg, the Erg then comes and attacks humanity. And all that's left is Earth standing alone against the Erg. A bunch of skeletons wearing like double-breasted suits that are really weirdly too big for them. <laughs> a child's costume party. That is our parliament. He, that 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 I think is being quite polite, to put it mildly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, politics is rubbish. Right? It's rubbish. Let's not talk about it. Do you want to, oh, something else? Just, I would, do you want to know something? I think I found out the worst fact of all time today. <laughs> what is the worst fact you know, of all time? Have you ever wanted to unlearn something because it was just the worst thing you'd ever heard? I mean, apart yes. from you know, all the horrible things yeah. in the world, all the devastation, but something that's just so... Like, I wish I could unknow that, but it won't get out of your brain. So Lou Baker, right? The musical criminal... <laughs> that's a good who, start. <laughs> the musical criminal who created the song Mambo Number no. 5. Um, his real name <laughs> is David Lubega. Yeah, I knew that already. <laughs> I, I did not know that until today, and I found that out, and I was really outraged. <laughs> but, and, and I texted um, it to, to Adam, the friend of the podcast, Adam Molesky, and he replied back instantly, does that mean that I'm John Stone and he's... Mer- Merle Esky, <laughs> which I think was quite good, and that makes you Gordon, like Gore Vidal. Yes, go like Gore Vidal, Gordon. <laughs> Hi, I'm Gordon. <laughs> um, the 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 most awful fact, the most terrifying fact, Paddy, is that you know the average human body, right? Yeah, contains enough bones to make an entire human skeleton. <laughs> Wow, that's incredible. That's, How shocking that's like, is that? Um, that's like that one where, um, you know, 100% of smokers die. <laughs> it's like that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> How shocking is that? Yeah. H- huge I couldn't believe it. When, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it when I heard that. To be honest, I, I'm, take. It's changed I'm my a world very... <laughs> I'm quite a big boned man as well. I reckon you could get two skeletons out of me. <laughs> 
I mean, oh, I'm, okay. I'm also fat, but I'm, I'm both, <laughs> you, you have, both fat and big you bones. Are, you are double boned. For every bone, there is another bone. Yeah, I've got bones to spare. But you ain't getting them. It's <laughs> oh, all right. When I, when I die, they're going to donate my, my very strange double boned body to medical science. <laughs> uh, no, they're going to donate it to Alice Cooper to use in one of his stage shows. I, I'd, I'd be okay with that. I can, to, um, I can imagine I can imagine Alice Cooper or maybe Rob Zombie doing a song called Double Boned Man. You've got sort of like some <laughs> industrial music going on in the background and then the metal guitar comes in and Rob Zombie's just like, Ooh, Double Boned Man! <laughs> wasn't that a, um, wasn't that a, a, one of Soundgarden's big hits? Double Boned <laughs> Man! man. <laughs> <laughs> Double Boned Man, won't you come? And show me a third fibia. <laughs> oh, so, so we're getting triple boned now. <laughs> triple boned. Um, you know, speaking of Soundgarden, did you notice that um, the Luke Goss from Bros in the documentary? Oh, maybe you haven't watched it yet. Uh, no, I haven't watched it yet. But continue For anyway. About half of the documentary, he's wearing a sleeveless Soundgarden T-shirt, oh, which is I see. which is awesome. Like, I would not have had him down as a fan of Soundgarden. But it's like, it's one of the cover of Bad Motorfinger. And it's a t-shirt that I used to have. And I don't know what happened to it. And he's wearing it. He's rocking it. Oh, I see. It's very cool. That is very cool. So yeah, everything in the world is terrible. But what is very, very good is going to the cinema. Which it I, is. I do not do often enough, obviously. Because we're always talking about films, that, like fart films that came out three years ago. But... <laughs> um, Going to the cinema is fantastic and uplifting, and I went to the cinema twice this weekend. So, there we go. I went to so, see The Favourite, and I yes. also went to see Stan and Ollie, which I ah, very much enjoyed as well. Yes, it was. It was very, very good. I don't know that... We could get away with it on the sort of platonic love grounds like we did with Swiss Army Man, but I don't I don't think it's one that we should necessarily um, like hold on to for a future episode. So, I'll just say I actually really, really enjoyed it, and I found it really, really moving, and the performances were fantastic. Um, it actually it chronicles Laurel and Hardy on their last ever tour in 1953. So they'd done all their films and stuff and then had kind of a break and this was their kind of last shot at, um, you know, trying to get another big break. It kind of feels like they're always chasing a big break or they're kind of like has-beens and they're, they're sort of they're towards the end of their life and they never did anything after it. And it's, they, they came and did this weird tour in England and it's the whole... It's their whole life story, but it's told through this like two or three weeks of a tour, and it's it's amazing. Both performances are really good, and yeah, it was good. It was uplifting. Oh, very cool! It's definitely worthy of the the hype. Excellent stuff. I may well may well go and see it. Yeah, and there was about ten people um, in the cinema, so... and there was not a peep out of any of them. Perfect oh, audience. That is good. That's always good. And then, of course, I went to see the favorite. Yes, and so the favorite. Did you enjoy the favorite? I did. I I enjoyed this film a lot more than I was expecting to. Actually, oh, not okay. that not that I was expecting to not like it, because from everything that I'd heard, I genuinely was intrigued. But um, usually, like period costume dramas, don't interest me ninety percent of the time. They're always just really, really like po faced and dreary and just like eh, whatever. I, I don't know. I just think I always have a bit of an aversion to them. That is probably unfair and unfounded. I've watched the odd one and sort of quite enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, I'm not down with Poldark, for example. But um, I... How so dare you. How the, dare the, you. 
So the, um, I know that the, and the favorite obviously isn't like that. And if you know anything about it, you know that it's not like that at all. But it still appears that way aesthetically, doesn't it? It does. And and so it, it, it is very much um, in its design, very costume drama-y. Although um, they did use lots of fabrics which would not be used at the time. Um, almost in the same... Tungsten. It's got... <laughs> titanium <laughs> just everyone Graphene. everyone's just wearing 80s uh shell suits um yeah you know that duck that the guy from the thick of it was walking around <laughs> that, that duck that duck's made of graphene <laughs> it's just used it's, it's just made up of old um aol uh startup discs <laughs> gaffer taped together to form a duck oh um, my god there must be like some horrible landfill pit somewhere where all of those are just sitting there and you yeah. can like, like jump into them and have a swim like scrooge mcduck exactly just getting covered in filthy old cds yeah um yeah but uh, and in that way um there's sort of and there's moments in it where it's very clearly supposed to be um you know very costume drama-y but there's these moments of uh, modernity in it almost similar to when we watched marie antoinette where it had like mm. the converse trainers and things like that there's these little snippets of okay that is this is obviously a modern film it is not getting lost in the romanticism and the sensibilities of the time like a lot of movies that are set at the time they kind of they lose that edge when it comes to character and they lose that edge when it comes to plot because they 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 desperately desperately want you to get lost in the idea of being in that that separate time and i i think that the key example of this is i recently went to go and see mary queen of scots i think um, that looks very boring which was quite boring and also no it, disrespect to sasha ronan and margot robbie i think both no, of them no. are fantastic in various things uh, everybody I recently watched as a side i also recently watched i Tonya, which i loved as well oh good we talk about that at some point but yeah uh, both of them are great but it just looks boring Everybody in the movie is doing their best when it comes to the performances, but um, the whole movie is quite dry, quite dull. There's very little humour in it. Um, and it has the worst kind of wokeness throughout. Uh. Um, the the worst example of it, and it really annoyed me. And, and I'm not someone who gets um, gets caught up in the historical accuracy of films like that i quite like no, them and they play no. fast and loose with the with the source material and with the actual historic events i, I, I like, like it when, when they, they play fast and furious like i mean i would love it if at some point in in mary queen of scots she'd got into a souped up um aston martin and was driving it around and, and <laughs> racing vin diesel that would be amazing but but that there is this moment where and and they 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 try to make the relationship between mary queen of scots and elizabeth the first into a sympathetic one where it's these two women that are being held back by all the men and all the men are bad and feminism is great yeah and oh we would achieve such great things if it wasn't for the men um ignoring the fact that elizabeth the first was an absolute tyrant and a calculating monster yeah. um who's about to men's <laughs> what about the men's um but but in this instance it's sort of it is that kind of horrible uh faux girl power nonsense that really grates and it does a great disservice to um to the real life of mary queen of scots and of elizabeth I and their real rivalry um and basically trying to trying to put it that elizabeth I didn't want any bloodshed and she was very sad about it when anybody died and she just wanted to unify um the world um there there are several thousand dead catholics who would have something to say about that 
Um, so I just thought it was a very bad judge of character um, in a way that's trying to make them seem like really cool, hip young people who right. are like proper down and the men are bad and all women are great. Um, that kind of that that kind of centrist woke nonsense, which I do not stand for. But um, what? How was the um, the dialogue and the presentation of it? Was did it look like they were trying very very hard to present the dialogue and the conversations and the interactions and all that kind of and the storytelling? Was it all very rooted in the, his, it was, the history? It was, it was all rooted in the history, apart from the fact that they were trying to make both characters super sympathetic and like everything would be fine, apart from they were forced to do bad things by the men. I was like, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> um that and it's kind of you know if you're looking at a leader from history 95 percent of them are monsters and i think you've got to kind of judge them by that and it's doing a disservice to queen elizabeth the first if you're trying to make it out that she is this sympathetic person who was forced to do bad things by the men because for the time period um she was quite powerful in her own right and she was quite confident to make difficult decisions and kill people at the drop of a hat and to yeah. do anything other than portray that in the right way is kind of not understanding the context and trying to yeah. frame it in a way that's quite disingenuous. And, you know, if if a film is telling a good story in a good way, then I don't give a fuck about whether it's historically accurate or not. That's the thing. You know, I, I can't stand, like, nerds who will go up to me and go, oh, that's, that's not actually how it happened, or people who won't watch The Favourite and be like, they weren't really racing ducks in Queen Anne's Court. Who cares? <laughs> it's funny. Like, you know, I, I don't usually care, but if a film is not telling a good story, it's, if it's not hooking you in, then you will notice historical inaccuracies. Exactly. And it, and- it feels it feels like it's gone wrong or it feels disingenuous if they're using those things to an end that isn't to hook you in and tell, tell a great story. And that's the thing. It actually makes it a lot worse. Mary Queen of Scots could have been great as a movie if they had really bigged up the big rivalry between the two of them and, and they had tried to portray this upstart queen who believed that she had the right and and indeed she she kind of did have the right to be the ruler of England and Scotland um and and they they, they never met in real life and they they throw in the scene at the end spoiler alert by the way they're throwing the scene at the end where they secretly meet and it was never recorded ever and and it takes away all of all of the tension what could have been great is it's these two leaders who never meet each other and you have this rivalry and who are dealing with this great political crisis, and eventually one of them gets killed by the other one. And that that could have been fantastic, and they could have really built up that it's these two people who have never met, who don't necessarily understand one another, um, on two sides of this great divide. And that would have been amazing if they'd done that. But instead, they really tried to big up the, we'd, we'd be sisters, but we can't be. Oh, it's so sad. Oh, sorry, I'm going to have to get your head chopped off now. <laughs> um, it was just, it was just a bit, bit of a, bit of a limp one all round in the end, which is a shame. A limp biscuit. It was a limp biscuit. It was a bit of a Fred Durst. <laughs> yeah, I've talked about Fred Durst a lot recently. I feel like we talked about him <laughs> on our episode, and then we talked about him on the most recent Big Boys Don't Bunt as well. For some oh reason. yes, something about how he looks young because he wears a baseball cap backwards. But in reality, he's like seventy-five. He he is grizzled. <laughs> Um, anyway, so we've spent a lot of yeah. time talking about other stuff. What about the favorite? Well, no, it's it's relevant because the reason that I like the favorite is because it has all of the it absolutely nails the aesthetic of the period drama, 
but it doesn't take itself too seriously and it allows itself to as you say have a little bit of fun with it to play part fast and loose with some things and it is conscious of the fact that it is telling this story to a modern audience who you know who are familiar with you know comic tropes and memes and snappy dialogue and all of these things that you know often sometimes people try and superimpose that onto a historical drama and it doesn't work or they go perhaps a little bit too far with it as in the case of Marie Antoinette which I did like but I did think was kind of ridiculous in parts um it man- the favorite manages to keep the aesthetic fully perfect whilst really really going for it in a modern way in other areas and I just feel like it did that really really well and it, like it really really hooked you in and it didn't feel po-faced and serious like co- like costume and period dramas always do to me i felt like it's the first time i've ever seen a costume drama that wasn't taking itself really seriously yeah and that's what's great about it is that it tells this very impactful and very intelligent story based on based on the real events um and it, and it does so in a way that you know you do get this emotional attachment, you do get gripped, and you do feel the stakes of what's going on. But at all times, there's this playfulness, and and sometimes that breaks out into outright humour. In fact, quite often it does break out into outright humour. Um, but it never feels out of place, and it never feels as though it it does feel as though you could walk into the real life setting of this movie. You could walk into Queen Anne's Court, and it would be exactly like this movie. If you know what I mean, it, it, it has that kind of validity to it, which I was very surprised at because um, I, I I had heard that it was not what you were going to expect um, from a period piece, but I was not expecting it to work as well as it did as a period piece. Yeah. And you because usually it's like the best you can do with the period piece is that it it does something moving and it makes you cry and it's historical and blah, 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 blah whatever. But yeah, this really, really just takes it to another level. And I hope that we start to see more films like this. It's really unique, actually. It is It is really unique. And that's the best way to describe it. I've not seen anything that's quite like The Favourite. Um, and that's why I loved it so much. It made, no. me, it made me laugh like no other movie has in quite a long time. Um, when also- um, Rachel Weisz gets... Um, she she gets dragged away on her horse because she gets poisoned um and she wakes up in this brothel um and the guy she tells them uh to to go and get the guy to go and get money f- to bail her from the guy from the thick of it whose name i can't remember who plays godolphin his performance is absolutely brilliant um and she's like if you go to the square at this time of day you'll see a man walking a duck and i i was absolutely <laughs> gone at that for some reason i thought that was the funniest thing i'd ever heard and and the way that they build in the kind of excess of the time and the the eccentricities, I suppose, of 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 the characters of this age, um, is brilliant. So when they have the slow motion scenes of them racing ducks or throwing fruit at a naked man and things now, like that, that was I as I was howling with laughter at that. But in a way, that is the um, like muscular men rowing to the hall of the mountain king scene of the <laughs> yes. favorite, isn't it? completely pointless really overblown slow motion with loud music completely ridiculous except this time it was funny for the right reason well i think you're supposed to laugh at it in um the social network as well it's it's this it's this break that's humorous that sort of mixes up the tension and it's kind of shows the absurdity of of the life of the ring the winkelvoss and that scene in the favorite is the same it's it's 
completely absurd in a way that you you never really get with most co- like costume period pieces, which are really absurd. Why would you dress up in all that ridiculous garb that we don't wear now? You know, it's it is absurd to to do that in a way. But this is kind of performatively absurd in a different way. And it was highlighting the absurdness of the whole thing whilst also just having a good laugh. Yes, yeah. It is it, it shows off the the outrageous life of people in a monarch's court um that are supposed to be running the country um in a fantastic way. And and, and this movie it never really shows you the life outside of court. And I think it's good that it does that. You don't want to see. I think if you'd if you'd seen the impact of what a monarchy is on the lives of the day to day outside of those brief moments where, like you know, when it's at the brothel and things like that, um, I think it would have lost some of its impact. And the fact that it it just throws you into this completely absurd location uh, filled with these monstrous characters, um, it, it makes it the film all the more powerful, doesn't it? Oh yeah, like it it would have been just like a complete downer if it tried to work in all of that historical stuff because you know the the history is the setting ultimately it's a it's a story about friendship and power and you know it doesn't really matter that all that historical stuff is happening in the background does it no no um and and i i think i mean i'm not entirely it's it's not the kind of era of history that you learn about at school is it no, um, so, it's, ni- it's neither the Tudors nor the Stuarts, nor is <laughs> nor is it the Second World War. Exactly. So, theref- like, so therefore, we know nothing about we, it. We know nothing about it. As far as I'm concerned, this is entirely accurate. But I think the way that they've portrayed the characters in it are, it, it's how they were supposed to be in real life. So you've got um, you've got Sarah, who is the sort of firebrand, who is not afraid to say what she thinks, even if she's speaking to the Queen. And then you've got the more um charming but calculating abigail um and the way that there's that balance between the relationships of the two um is is done in a very interesting way and and i think done in a vaguely accurate way it it gets across as far as i'm concerned if there's any history buffs on here who are furious and frothing at the mouth about the favorite and saying that is not right that is incorrect why are they wearing denim um (laughs) I, I th- why is he dancing like that? That is silly. He would not dance like that. Nobody um, was as tall as Nicholas Holt in them days. <laughs> everyone was four foot nothing. It's just the way things were at the time. Um, I did read something saying that um, there was no way... The thing with the rabbits is definitely highly inaccurate because rabbits um, at the time were considered food at best and pests at worst. Oh, well, there we go. But it's quite a nice... Uh, image and it works well on a thematic level so yeah get out and it get out of here old old history you don't know shit about nothing yeah you you got no idea (laughs) got no idea yeah and yeah the the whole thing about you know whether they they were or having you know physically intimate and sexual relationships there's no way that we can actually really know that no but it but it doesn't labor that point either there are just there's there's a couple of um sort of short sex scenes or things that are happening in the background and you, you know you know that sex is involved but it doesn't um it doesn't titillate it doesn't linger over it it doesn't it's not gratuitous and i thought that was a smart move as well yes yeah it's it's there and the movie is all the better for it um but i'm not yeah i and i don't think that they they don't really play it up in any of the the trailers or anything like that it's kind of there in the film 
and I think it's much better for it, but it's not kind of overbearing. It's not this overbearing element of it. Yeah, which you could easily have done in in an attempt to make a sort of a sensational film, a film that would be seen for its sensational power rather than its storytelling and its humour. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and, and that's what shines through here. There's, there's no real shock factor in this film that stops you um, from enjoying it from the pure storytelling perspective apart from there's there's a lot of shooting birds there's a lot of shooting birds yes um which maybe not everybody will appreciate but you know yeah and uh, you know there's there's some c-bombs there's some f-bombs yeah that's all good yeah this this movie has the best use of effective swearing i've seen in a very long time um every time they're swearing it is it immediately picks up your interest. It always works perfectly for the scene, and it, every single time it's hilarious. Um, yeah. so, some N- of the Nicholas scenes, Holt, some... he drops the Z bomb quite early on. It's it's about five minutes into the film. It's the first time you've seen his character, and up to that point, it's been relatively you know relatively normal. People going about courtiers, um, whatever. There's a dance, whatever, and then he suddenly suddenly calls her. A, yeah, he drops the sea bomb. You're like, okay, yes. Now we're in. It's this kind of film. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's this it. kind of movie. And then there's there's a variation on the sea bomb that he uses. Uh, you'll probably know what I'm talking about when I say that the excellent variation on the sea bomb that has become part of my significant other's daily dialogue ever since we saw it. Excellent. And it never it never stops making me laugh. It's always always funny. Yeah, and uh, I thought Nicholas Holt was very good in this as well having been perhaps on the fence about him before. I mean, I, I did enjoy Warm Bodies, but we, yeah, there, there were some, some lingering doubts. And, you know, I had to try and forget that skins existed. But um, I, I thought he was very, <laughs> very good in this, actually. Um, perhaps one of the, the best supporting characters. Really, really funny. Really, really understood the idea of playing someone who's just really, really, you know, hungry for power and a, a bit sadistic, but had a lot of fun with it, as did all of the cast. Yes, um, I I love Nicholas Holt in this, and and this is close to his kind of performance in um, in Mad Max, where he immediately just pops out and is like, okay, he's doing something incredibly bizarre here, and it's brilliant um, because he is just. I mean, everybody in this movie is great, and everyone fits their role perfectly, but his his eccentric bizarre performance is just fantastic in this um and i think that the oscar nods it's received are all incredibly justified um yeah and i'm a little bit saddened not to see nicholas Holt up there for him in this movie because it's so good he is great in this yeah it's yeah it's really really interesting this is in the same best picture category as black panther because they're just such different films, aren't they? It, it seems like an impossible choice, a choice that you shouldn't have to make, really. And, and, and that's why having a best film is such a weird thing to do. Um, you know, I mean, the Oscars are bullshit anyway, right? Yes, but they, but they they do have a very big impact on what kind of jobs people get afterwards. If you get an Oscar nom, it looks very good on your CV when you're when you're trying to get other projects, or if you get yeah, an Oscar yeah, win, it, it allows you to do things that would never have been opened up to you. It's the same with the Booker Prize and books. It's yeah, it's a sticker you can put on a book that'll automatically make it sell however many thousand copies. You know, it's yeah, it's what it I, is. I've heard that there's potentially going to be a change to the sponsor of the Booker Prize. Yes, the the man has agreed not to sponsor it, which is good because I wanted to stick it to the man. 
yeah. <laughs> it's going to be sponsored by the boy next time. Yeah. The boy yeah. Booker Prize. <laughs> the boy Booker Prize. But yes, the man group. I still have no... I, I've worked in publishing almost my whole adult life and I have no idea what the man group does as the sponsor of the Booker Prize. But yes, I believe they're looking for new sponsorship. They, so if, um, Greg's, if you're listening. They, uh, they, they definitely just go around being men. They just put mustaches on everything. Ah, oh, right. Okay. You know, they hearken back to a time when men were men. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and books were books. Men were men and books were books. Big hardbacks that you used to beat each other up with. Yes. You would beat each other up and then you would sit there and you would read passages to each other in an entirely platonic way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then you'd take them home and read insults to your wife, wives and children out of the books. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, it's um, <laughs> what were we talking about before we got onto this? Uh, Oscars, best picture. Yeah, there's just still such a it's such a weird spread of films that I don't any. There's no good choice, is there? That's the thing. Like any good choice is going to seem negative with it because it excludes other films. Yes, yeah, um, and. Uh, gut instinct i enjoyed this movie more than black panther so i'd rather this movie won um and for me it's like it's difficult for me between this and black Klansman as to which movie i enjoyed the most in the last oscar period i find that quite difficult between the two of them yeah um but it's very hard to compare very different films but but this movie i was captivated throughout unlike black panther where during the action scenes i was a bit like eh bring me back to the 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 weird other world that's what i want and i want the political stuff and i want michael b jordan constantly on my screen um i don't want to see a big fight with some big armored rhinos i don't care about that um whereas here all the time i was like yes this is fucking hilarious more 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 um and 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 even and and i think the i mean the end of this film is quite dramatic and and takes quite a serious turn just in that split second end um, and I think it works incredibly well that it does that. And it is moving as well. It is. It is very moving. Um, and um, and I think the fact that um, another thing that this movie does, which is great, is it doesn't have a kind of coda at the end where it says, this is what happened next. Unlike the sort of likes of Bohemian Rhapsody, which goes on to say, Queen sold lots of albums and then Freddie Mercury died. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, or Mary, Queen of Scots has a bit where it's like, Oh, but her son went to the throne. It uh, it doesn't put in uh, James the first hated his mother, for instance, because <laughs> um, that kind of would have taken away from the whole tone of the movie a little bit. If you find out that actually he hated his mother and he didn't want to say thank you, mum, your sacrifice has put me on the throne, and you were the winner in the end. Um, and and I think it's all the better for this. So, in real, do you want to know what happened in real life? Yeah, sure. Why not? So, so in effect, apart from like the poison tea and, you know, the potentially the, the lesbian aspect, there's no proof of it and there's no proof not of it. Um, so it may have happened. It may have not. Um, yeah. There's a lot of letters kind of, that indicate it, supposedly. Exactly. It's kind of hinted that there was this relationship between them that was more than just a friendship and more than just an advisory thing. But there's no way to prove it either way. Um but basically what happened was um was that Sarah and and Lord Marlborough left uh left England um but because he was this great accomplished war hero and and she was very beloved as well they were treated very fairly in other countries across Europe 
um, because, you know, they were cool dudes and people wanted to hang out with the cool dudes. And they're the ancestors of Winston Churchill. Yes, the ancestors of Winston Churchill and the ancestors of uh, Prince William. Um, because, colonial um, war criminal Winston Churchill <laughs> colonial war criminal Winston Churchill but also our our eventual king uh, Prince William is also um, an, an ancestor of of the Churchills um, through through Princess Diana nothing um, but respect for my king nothing but respect for my king baby George here's the <laughs> dude put him on the throne right now yep by which you um, mean the potty, because he hasn't finished his potty training. <laughs> he refers to it as the throne. Thank you very much. Um, and and so yeah, so so although they were exiled initially, um, when when King George came to the throne, um, they were kind of eventually brought back to England because of the relationship between the Hanovers and um, Lord Marlborough and Lady Church and um, Sarah Churchill. So eventually, they were allowed back into the fold, basically. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so they they kind of the 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 end of the movie portrays them as being exiled from from England, but eventually they did come back. That's nice for um, Mark Gatiss, who was underused in this film. He was underused in this film, but it was lovely to see him there, occasionally just looking kind of chipper. And it was like, nice, glad you're there, Mark. We we like you. Um, so so yeah, and and I think the movie's all the better for ignoring the the real life events there um because the impact of this movie and kind of the theme of this movie is um that betrayal and that lust for power um and and lying like that to get what you want does not always have entirely happy consequences even if you achieve what you believe you deserve hmm. Um, yeah. and, and the way that it ends with at the end of this movie everybody is miserable um and and i think it, it's all the better for that even though in the run-up to it it's almost become kind of a romp um with the kind of silliness and the and the quite physical aspects of it that's the thing as well there's physical comedy in it which you, you do not expect as as it being a sort of costume period piece but uh, I keep saying it, but it's one of those things where it's, it manages to work it in really, really well, where it would just look ridiculous if you went too far with it. Yes, exactly. And and I think the key example of that is the well, actually, the, the, it, it, it works so well every single time. So you've got when Nicholas Holt pushes Abigail yeah. <laughs> down the hill, which is really funny. And it's not the kind of thing that would be funny outside of a particular context, but just the way that it happens so suddenly is great. Uh, you've got the dance scene, which is brilliant. Um, yep. You've got the moment where Sarah is just throwing books at Abigail's head. Um, that had yep. me howling as well. Um, it's it's it, cartoonish, but it works. It is. And it, it's cartoonish, but it works within this intelligent framework of a well-paced, comedic, but at the same time dramatic narrative. And and so all, all of these elements together, everything is expertly done. Um, it's It's also one of the prettiest films I've seen in a long time. It was beautifully shot and edited. It was um, filmed at really Hat- Hatfield House. The, the place where they grow hats, I believe. <laughs> yeah, in a big field. That's why it field. looked so beautiful, because they painted all of the hats for this film. It took them ages. Exactly, exactly. Um, but but this, this movie is shot fantastically well. And there's lots of like um, like wide-angle lens shots and things like that, which I was reading it's supposed to mirror the um, paintings of the time, where they often had those sort of... Um, those sort of fisheye 
sort of circular mirrors within the paintings, which then like sort of uh, reflected back what the artist was painting at the time and things like that. It was it was supposed to reflect the the artistic time period, um, and it's genius. It's a little stroke of genius that um, it was just so well shot. It was such an impressive film. That's really cool. Did you um, at my wedding? Did you talk to my friend Rudy? He was the man in the top hat and tails. Very, very well-dressed man. Anyway, he's a distinguished historian, um, like a world-leading expert on the Titanic. He's got a a PhD and several masters and is just an amazing historian. Um, And anyway, he works as a tour guide at Hatfield House. And um, he's often there while they're filming stuff. And he was there while they were filming this and like got to see the duck race and all sorts of stuff, which was quite hilarious. But he had um, nothing but nice things to say about um, Emma Stone, Olivia Colman and Rachel Weisz. Apparently they were all very, very nice to him. Oh, excellent stuff. Um, It's it's used a lot um, in a lot of films, Hatfield House. And most recently they were using it to film the Batman prequel Pennyworth. Which, incidentally, I walked through the set of yesterday and today on my way home because they're filming it in Rupal Street, which is right behind Waterloo. And there's like a pub that's been changed and the streets have got like different names on them and stuff. And yesterday, when I was walking back through there, I, we, a bunch of us had to stop. Um, well, I, and then I heard, I was like, what's going on? And then I heard someone shout, action. And then I saw a guy in like a stovepipe hat, like running down the street. And then they let us go. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's the one that's about Alfred. Alfred <laughs> Pennyworth, the butler. Alfred, Alfred back in the day. Yeah. Which sounds um, like a good laugh. It sounds like it could be fun. I haven't watched Gotham, the TV series, that's like a, another prequel to Batman. Me neither. So, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, we'll see what that ends up being like. Yeah. But it's just, there's something weirdly like exciting about being next to, if not on a film set. I think that's quite good, but making a good use of the set itself and choosing a place like that that really, really suits the the time period and the place is a really, really smart move. And it's good that those kind of places exist for stuff like the favourite. Yes, and and it, Hatfield House is is extremely well maintained as well, which I'm sure is part of the reason why it's used so regularly. Yeah, in in comparison to some of the other some of the other houses around, and and it, it I mean it is great in this movie, isn't it? It looks fantastic it looks amazing it look it really looks the part as well because sometimes in like in costume pieces you can sort of tell can't you that it's like an old building but that has been modernized and they've tried to dress it up but you can still sort of tell by you can see a bit of double glazing or something yes yeah um whereas this feels unbelievably authentic yeah it's it's great it's a it's I, I can't say enough good things about this movie. Say something bad about it, Paddy. What did you not like about this? Okay, movie? okay, okay. I hated the um the creaking music where it was like just like the scraping of the cello or the piano strings or whatever the fuck that was. It went on for about <laughs> five minutes with just scraping. Hated that. <laughs> See, I liked that. Rubbish. I, I like I like atonal stuff. I really liked the 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 soundtrack. I thought it it felt extremely tense in a way that um fitted the uh time period see um, i in- i felt like the creaking atonal music was going too far with trying to provide tension because there was already so much tension with the characters and the way they're being they were performing it and their interplay between them that was that was all that was plenty enough tension for me you just, just a little, wanted- li- little bit of light light harpsichord music would have been fine you just wanted farting daniel radcliffe in the soundtrack 
Yeah, no, I wanted Olivia Coleman to turn to the camera and start going, la, da, 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 <laughs> and then for that to become the soundtrack, and then for her to do a big fart. See, Paddy, the way I think of it is, would you have felt that the movie was tense enough without the subconscious element of the atonal music? I feel like I would have done, but there is think, no way to know it, that for sure. I think it really added a lot to the film. I thought the soundtrack was, was also impeccable because um, it added this nasty element which really offset the more comedic and the more physical tone to it, which which kept that underlying pressure throughout the film in a way that a a more traditional score would would not have been able to do. Yeah, I, I'm not saying it had it should have been traditional or obvious or boring. I just don't like atonal scraping. Apart from that, I thought the rest of the music was really good, and it actually did manage to play like um to use like harpsichords and instruments of the time without being yeah overly. Um, overly faithful. So, um, Olivia Coleman, Oscar nominated for this performance. Do you feel that is a a justified yeah. nomination? Absolutely. She's really, really good because she's essentially playing a child. Like so many of Queen Anne's mannerisms, um, at least in the way she portrays it. I don't know what she was really like, but the rumor is that she was she was very, very childish in the way that she used to act towards her friends was childish and i think olivia coleman absolutely nails that as well but still realizes that she's an adult who has a tremendous amount of power and that it's all about the interplay but you you feel like she's enjoying herself and that really comes through in the performance so yeah absolutely yeah she's she's wonderful in this film um i think that Queen Queen Anne is a is an interesting one because she was clearly um, because of everything she, that she went through with her in her life with the death of her of her children and of her husband. Um, the, it 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 clearly sent her into a kind of depression, and I think the movie does a really good job of portraying that, but also showing the comedic value of having a pretty much indestructible leader an infallible leader who is also going through a difficult time and no one quite yeah. knowing how to combat that um and so a lot of the a lot of the movie is based around the machinations of getting and to do what they want her to do um whether it is for the in the best interest of the country or in the best interest of the person at hand and that's where the real friction comes is is queen anne is sort of um she she is a sympathetic character, but you also understand that she's quite a cruel. She can be quite a cruel character at the same time, um, and it's all about balancing the sympathetic, childish ang- aspect of her with the cruel aspect, and making sure that you walk the line to not fall on the wrong side of that, but still pressure her into doing what you want her to do as the ruler of the nation, um, which is a really interesting framework for a movie, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. All of their characters hang off of that and they do it brilliantly. It's all about that that interplay between them and trying to persuade her to do things. But you do also get the feeling that both of the other women are genuinely in love with her and you her performance is captivating enough that you could understand that, you know? Yes, yeah, and and there's like a clear favourite in, in pardon if you'll pardon the joke. There's a clear favourite in the audience here, which is <laughs> which is uh, Rachel Weisz's character is obviously the one you're supposed to feel for more in these instances because she is the one who is genuine. Um, and, yes, and, and, and although she she is playing deliberate political games with everybody else, when she is with Anne, she is always open and always trusting and always direct um whereas with abigail much like in real life 
um, she is seen much more as a manipulative force um, who cannot always be considered to be genuine. Yeah, and she wants to be, to be a lady, and she there's a lot of stuff that she needs from from Queen Anne that Sarah doesn't. So you know that that stuff is kind of always there in the background as well. And you want to believe that she loves Anne, and in a way you kind of know that she does, but that kind of stuff is impossible to forget. Yes, and and so you are... I, I do find myself asking questions as to whether she truly does care about her or whether it is that she cares about what Anne can provide her, um, which is kind of symbolised at the end where she's got her pressure of her foot on the rabbit's neck, which is quite a distressing scene to watch, actually. yeah. And the sort of the scenes of, of partying excess and stuff like that. It's almost as if, is, is, there, is there a real love there or is this all a fabrication? And is it so much a fabrication that she's managing to even fool us? Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Our queen just fucking around when they write Bohemian Rhapsody? <laughs> the answer is yes. I love Bohemian Rhapsody. You take, you take that back. Great song. Do you not think it's massively overplayed? And I wouldn't it's say a it's bit of a like, like it's a an idiot's idea of a sing along anthem. No, it's a it's a it's a definite sing along anthem. Far better than the vast majority of sing along anthems. That's that's probably true. I just feel like it's been done to death. You know. Well, the the problem is that we have never been around at the time when it was a fresh new song. A, a lot of people of our generation's first experience of Bohemian Rhapsody was watching Wayne's World. Yeah, um, which, which kind is of portray- a great film, actually. which is a great film, and that shows the kind of impact that the song had. Um, we are not of the um, we're not of the generation that was ever able to witness it in real time, um, and so for us, it's always been this classic that's been driven into us that this is a classic rock song, um, and I think it is it is one of the best. It's one of the of the of the songs that are seen as classics. It's one of the most deserving of that because it does do something different. Um, no one else does anything that's quite like Bohemian Rhapsody, or at least no one else does it in a way that's as good and as um, catchy as Bohemian Rhapsody does it. So I, I think it's a it's a it's a song that deserves the respect that it gets. I don't know. I'm, I'm over it. I'm not. I, I'll still I mean, put it on. It's not a crime against music. It's not Mambo Number Five. But you know. <laughs> what what other classics do you think are more <laughs> deserving of it? I'd say it's it's above and beyond most other rock songs i'd put bohemian rhapsody above anything led zeppelin ever did i don't know i don't think it's as good as love in an elevator (laughs) (laughs) it's it's only five times better than love in an elevator (laughs) it's it's up there for me bohemian rhapsody is up there with the likes of um welcome to the jungle in terms of being an essential rock anthem yeah but like i feel like lads know every word of bohemian rhapsody Lads don't know a single song by Guns N' Roses. They might have heard "Sweet Sweet Child of Mine," but you know, it's, but, it's that, because, but that's it's because only of because. Lads. But that's only because um, because we're in England, uh, and Queen are this great British institution. That's what I mean. DC, I have a problem with all British institutions. Probably. <laughs> this is why I think Queen's one of the ones that deserves to be thought of as a British institution. Though Queen is Queen is a more important and integral British institution than the Queen, in my opinion, and is more deserving <laughs> of the respect it gets. Yeah, what did she do at Live Aid? Nothing. <laughs> she wasn't up there singing songs. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Queen are great, and Bohemian Rhapsody is great. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I, Queen I have think more of... interesting songs as well. That's the thing. Like, I think there's much better stuff in Queen's catalogue. I, I don't know. 
I think I think it is such a. I mean, they they had done things before. Uh, sorry, I'm going to go into Queen history now, Paddy. You, right, you, you have opened up Pandora's box of Queen <laughs> here, but but there's certain songs in the first couple of Queen albums that are, are, are kind of similar, where they they follow the similar kind of glam rock meets prog rock elements that Bohemian Rhapsody does, but n- none of them encapsulated it in such a great way as as Bohemian Rhapsody. I think they just wrote it as a joke, and then it became this ridiculous thing. It's it's it's. Much like all of glam rock, it is a joke. It is supposed to be, it's there for its pure entertainment value. And that's why it's so great. It is It is just full-on constant change for a good seven minutes. And that's why it's so brilliant. There's nothing subtle about it. And, and that's what's great about Queen is there is nothing subtle about Queen. They were just there and they were loud and they were catchy. And that's kind of what you want from a rock band particularly a rock band of the time where they stuff uh, their crotches and wear lycra. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Noth- nothing wrong with a bit of lycra. Nothing nothing wrong with stuffing the crotch. We've all been there. <laughs> I just think Fat Bottom Girls is a better song. <laughs> I mean, Fat Bottom, Fat Bottom Girls is great. Uh, you can't get away from how amazing that is as a, as a catchy rock song. As is, it's a kind of magic. It's a kind of magic. It's a Paddy Johnston. Exactly, it's my theme tune. <laughs> now, I'd I'd say that I mean the the problem with trying to quantify which Queen song is better than the other Queen song is that they have so many ridiculous hits. It's really hard to nail one down as as the best. It's because of lads. It's because of British culture that I don't like it. But everybody loves Queen, and everyone loves Bohemian Rhapsody. It's got elements that not just lads enjoy and i'd say that there's other queen songs that are more lad than bohemian rhapsody like we will rock you or we are the champions yeah which are much more lad based whereas because of the stranger elements of bohemian rhapsody i think more people think of it and enjoy it that the lad culture side of it side of it is more of a pastiche of wayne's world than it is an enjoyment of the of the true song i don't know man it's british you know you got you can never be sure what british people are thinking no, no, no. I, I know what British people are thinking. And and that's part of the reason why it's other Queen songs that are played on like Nights Out rather than Bohemian Rhapsody. Is you never hear that. It's always the bicycle song and shit like that. It's never Bohemian Rhapsody that's played because it's got those weirder <laughs> elements. The bicycle song. Yeah. Yeah. Get on your bike. Get on your bike. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. That's exactly how it goes. Yeah, I will not hear a bad word about Bohemian Rhapsody. It is de- fully deserving of the praise it gets. I'm just saying I'm over it. That's all. I, I can't think of a of another great rock song that's more deserving of its status than that. It is better than anything that Prince put out. To throw a hand see, no, grenade. See, now I, I, I will not have this. Absolutely. <laughs> there is nothing Prince did that's better than... Uh, that's better than that the majority of prince's catalogue is way more interesting (laughs) no it's not intricate sexy no well maybe the sexy but freddie freddie mercury is a is a wonderfully sexy musician i'm not denying the sexiness of freddie mercury but prince is something else prince was an ethereal man you know (laughs) he was like he was from another planet unlike queen Nah, I I would I would mu- and and also Queen had many many more hits. 
when, when did, did Queen ever change their name to an unpronounceable symbol? <laughs> no, and that's why they're so good. This is so stupid. This is like this is one of those things where people are just like arguing opinions as if they're facts. <laughs> <You laughs> this know? is Brexit. Like, this is our Brexit. This is our this is our Brexit. Queen versus Prince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you started it yes you did you invaded wherever <laughs> <laughs> you started it you talk shit about bohemian rhapsody <laughs> i can't even remember how i got onto that i don't know either but i'm still furious with you paddy well i'm standing for prince <laughs> right now he can he which one of them had a better movie it is actually queen believe it or not bullshit <laughs> I won't have it. <laughs> Somehow, Purple Rain is a stone cold it, it, classic. In spite of all of the flaws of Bohemian Rhapsody, it's still a better movie. Well, than I think Purple Rain. I think the no, no, no. Well, the thing is that Prince starred in multiple films, and Freddie Mercury didn't even star in any films. It's not even really him. It's some guy called Rami Malek or whatever. Maybe, but... maybe, maybe that's because <laughs> Freddie Mercury knew he wasn't an actor, and that's something that Prince should have learned. Uh, hang on, I think the only way to know this for sure is to watch Under the Cherry Moon next. Uh, man, it's your choice next. If you, <laughs> want, if you want to choose Under the Cherry Moon, I'm all for it. I'm really, really tempted. It's either that or something else. Well, I've, well, no, I've had I've, I've had a request. Oh, okay. A, a previous requester has gotten in touch to remind me about his request that he made a long time ago. So I now... I'm, feel bad about it and actually jordan well shall we do we have anything more to say about the favorite and then we can get on to that actually um so yeah i don't really have anything else to say um obviously that you know <laughs> one great thing is that the wigs had their own trailer yep it's important <laughs> um the, the budget was was quite tight on this film um so oh, you, you um, don't mean the wigs the political party no no <laughs> um uh it had quite a tight budget so um the majority of the costumes were made from scratch which is cool and that's part of the reason why they were made out of those um those more modern fabrics and things like that which is which is pretty decent uh yorgos lanthimos apparently um was inspired by uh the movie possession uh which is a bit weird i don't know if you've ever seen possession no i have not it is a, a psychological horror movie um that's one of the weirdest films i've ever seen in my life that also stars sam neill um of oh, wow. um, jurassic park fame and um isabella Gianni, who i don't know if you if you know no um very artistic actor um and it's a really weird movie that's partly about a disintegrating relationship and partly about a weird lovecraftian monster uh <laughs> that starts all right in their apartment uh, i'm not quite sure how much of that got into um the favorite but he also apparently was inspired by amadeus and that's a much more obvious direct that comparison. that i could see yeah that that is a very good film which is a, and yeah, that, that's a that great also is a, a costume piece that manages to weave in elements of comedy and humor i don't not I, I think as successfully as the favorite but it is funny in a way and it, 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 it does realize it, that it is telling its story in a modern context and it feels quite modern as well i think it's a it's a very clever film, Abadeus. So yeah, I can I can definitely see the comparisons there. Um, Talk about that at some point. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, there's a little nod to uh, Lanthimos's uh, previous movies. So uh, they're eating lobster and venison, um, as in the killing uh, yeah. of a sacred deer and the lobster. Yeah, nice. Um, and, and then there's that bit where they're eating dog teeth, of course. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, and and finally, um, apparently Nicholas Holt named all of his wigs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you would, wouldn't you? I mean, you've got to, don't you? Hang on, I, I was just on Yorgos Lanthimos's Wikipedia page, and it says that his father was a professional basketball player who played for Pagrati BC, Greece national basketball team. Oh, how, how many Greek professional basketball players are there? Oh, true. That's awesome. That is that is really cool, actually. I um, actually awesome. have not seen any of his other films, and I do quite want to see The Lobster. I think that looks very good. Yeah, so I was going to... I've, I meant to say, hey, do you want to choose The Lobster next? Well, you you could choose it. Um, afterwards. Got, <laughs> maybe, we'll see. I, you know, I'm not going to commit to not getting back at you for... <laughs> <laughs> slandering the good name of prince prince well, well exactly it's it's all in the names paddy isn't it yeah he's the prince but queen that's the queen uh, uh, it's no. literally there in their names paddy no, literally there in their names the queen the queen is is someone old who has had their day the prince is the what the one the young one with the power who's waiting to come up he's ready he's got the youthful I'll energy i'll tell the you vigor. i'll tell you who they are paddy it's the Queen, all right, you know, revered, getting on a bit. Your prince is Prince Charles. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Checkmate. There we go. Checkmate. Well, at least it's not Prince Philip who should not be driving. Who <laughs> should not be driving. Although Prince probably shouldn't be driving in his current state, should he? No, no. I'd be worried if he was behind the wheel. It right would now. it would look quite gruesome, I'm it sure. Would. Um but yeah, so so that's it for trivia. Um I don't know if you've got anything else you want to add. Nope, I just wanted to say that I think Yorgos has nailed it. And that's the kind of thing where I can tell that I would probably like the rest of his other works. And obviously I haven't seen them, so I can't know that for sure. But he, he his style is clearly very, very distinctive and hats hats off to him. Yes, excellent. Um, so how are we going to mark this movie then? Let's see. Well, how how many rabbits are you keeping in your bedroom that are named after your dead children? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, for me, it is nineteen dead children rabbits. Wow, wow, uh, that's I, that's huge. That's I, really huge. I loved this movie, Paddy. I really enjoyed it. I went into it not expecting to like it as much as I did, um, but it was awesome. I I highly recommend anybody who's listening to go and watch this film. It's great. Yes, absolutely. I don't know that I can go that high. I mean, I I did really, really enjoy it, but I don't know that I passionately loved it. Uh, I think you you got to do you got you got basically it's got to have prints in it to get to get up to nineteen. <laughs> so I will give it a seventeen, but I think that is still yeah, that's still pretty high. That still averages out at an eighteen, which is quite yeah. That's still very near to the top for us, isn't it? That's yeah. That's a that's a classic yeah so that is very good 17 19 yep there we go so um yeah so the film i'm not going to choose under the cherry moon but i'll, I'll save that for for next save time because the next time i annoy you you'll yeah. bring it up <laughs> yeah no I, I i'm still annoyed i don't want you to think that i've forgiven you i absolutely have not <laughs> forgiven you for this indiscretion um, we're gonna we're gonna we have to do a um a poll on twitter Basically, just which is better, prince or queen? You have to choose, and then we will see. We will see that because that's the only definitive way is to find out. From, you have to go back to the people and find out. A people, I mean, that's exactly right. Fight. Everyone knows that the people always make the right decision. Yeah, 
It never goes wrong. <laughs> F- foolproof never, system. Never goes wrong at all, particularly on an area like Twitter. <laughs> Although if it's um if it's fifty two forty eight, we're gonna have to run it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Although if it's fifty two forty eight in favour of Prince, then it's definitive. Yeah, that's that's it forever. Even yep. though Queen was spelt wrong on the poll. <laughs> Quevin. <laughs> Quevin. Yeah. Uh yeah. So this is a request from David Robertson, who's a friend of mine, who's a cartoonist and comics publisher from Scotland. He, um, I've appeared in a number of his comic books anthologies. He's appeared in our Dead Singers comics anthologies. Great guy. Also does a podcast uh, called Treehouse Comics, which is very, very good. Um, and he asked me a while ago if we could cover a film called Moonstruck. Are you aware of this? That name sounds familiar, actually. See, I, and again, I, I hadn't really paid attention to it. I was like, what's that? I was vaguely aware of it, but didn't really know what it was until today I went to... Should, is this something oh, we should be it's watching? it's the Cher movie. It's got yeah, Cher. Cher and Nicolas Cage film. And Nicolas yeah. Cage. And I was like, how have we not done this before? Like, that, that, is a, that is a match made in heaven. And also stars Olympia Dukakis, who was in... Oh, very um, good. Cloudburst. So... That's very, very good. But yeah, Cher and Nicolas Cage in a romantic comedy from the 80s. How can that not be gold? I'm fully looking forward to this. So yeah, I'm very, very excited about that. Awesome stuff. All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, No, I just want to reiterate, Queen of Grey, (laughs) Prince is rubbish. You you know what? I was sort of just about okay with Queen, but now that you've done this, Queen (laughs) Queen are rubbish. Queen are boring. Queen are one of the most overrated bands in history, and I don't care. You know who's really overrated? Who? Prince. <laughs> as, as if you were going to say anything different. <laughs> Prince is underrated, honestly. Prince is, Prince is so overrated. The he's genius just a of guy. Prince is he's not just understood. A, he's just a guy who can kind of play guitar and can kind of sing, who just sits around looking sad and then being horny. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. You you use the word kinder as if he isn't fully all of those things. <laughs> well, he is especially he is, the last one. He is fully sad and horny. Yeah, he's so horny that even the song "Horny" by Moose T could not accurately describe his state. <laughs> there's there's two levels of horny. There's horny, and then there's Prince Horny. <laughs> Hi, I'm Prince Horny <laughs> from the nation of Horndovia. That was his original um, stage name. Prince was Prince, Prince Horny. horny. Yeah, no, no, and that is his real name as well, Prince Rogers Horney. Prince Rogers Horney. <laughs> Come fight me, Prince Stans. I'll get you. I will. I'm going to get the army of Prince Stans. There's going to gonna be a load you. of guys turning up on sad motorbikes outside my house. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll push you in a lake. They'll push me in a lake, and then they'll. It will be a, a, a psychological war because they'll just keep playing songs for hours outside my house and i'm like i get it i get it it's purple rain yeah fine Stop you it. die for me whatever <laughs> oh dear um anyway have you got anything else to add no just the prince is better than queen we're gonna do we're gonna do the people's vote to decide it so we can <laughs> we can leave it there oh dear i'm no, gonna have right. to get i'm gonna have to get my queen stands on this yeah gonna you get will. gonna get promoting <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be the most ambitious crossover event in history. What's a bet? Well, no, because well, no, we've got to frame it in a way which isn't entirely democratic. So it's got to be: what's a better album, Night at the Opera, or that shit Prince album that you released for free in the <laughs> Daily Mail? <laughs> Wait, 
Yeah, he released an album Mail. for free in the Daily Mail. That's your fuck. That's your favourite, Paddy. Your favourite. <laughs> that didn't happen. This is fake news. <laughs> fake news. Uh, I won't put, hear it. Put it in. The, put it in the show notes. No. Put it in the show notes. The the free Prince Daily Mail album. No, that that that's not real. That that did not happen. It did because I had it. It wasn't very good. No, that's not. <laughs> that, that did not happen. Um, it was Planet Earth in two thousand and seven. Well, that's probably still better than Queen, anyway. <laughs> it was a free cover mount with the Mail on Sunday national newspaper. Um, I remember getting it because I was like, "Oh, you know what? I don't normally buy the Mail, but it's got a Prince album, and Prince is pretty cool." Oh, so you like Prince, do you? I do like Prince. Yes, he's just an awful, massive Daily Mail lover, <laughs> and he can't be forgiven for that. Oh dear. Every I, time you get angry at the Daily Mail now, Paddy, I want you to remember Prince loves the Daily Mail. He Prince won't even have been aware Sunday. of it. It would have been his agent or someone doing some bullshit. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have even known. He doesn't he, know where his stuff's being distributed. Prin, Prince he doesn't get involved like, in that side of his music. He's just. He just goes to Paisley Park, his studio. He's horny. He makes music. He goes on tour. That's all he does. Prince, no, he doesn't get involved in that side of it. <laughs> Prince was like, you know what? I'm writing this song. I'm writing this song called "The Lion of Judah," and you know what? This is this is perfect to go on the Mail on Sunday. I love the Mail on Sunday. It tells me everything I need to know about how immigrants are bad, <laughs> and that's what I believe as Prince, the musician. And how that's an poor actual quote, fault, Paddy. Poor. Yeah. Actual quote, Paddy. If you read anything about Prince, you'll read that quote. It's one of his most famous quotes. About how much he loves the Daily Mail and the Mail on Sunday. Yeah, I've actually I've got it tattooed on my arm, <laughs> yeah, right, right here. Oh, L- dear. listeners cannot see, but of course, because we're on, we're on the Skype chat, I just flip up the bird. <laughs> That's exactly what I'd expect from a Mail on Sunday lover like you, Paddy. <laughs> this is this is the peak of our podcast, isn't it? This is like, <laughs> like we, I don't know where I don't know where we go from here. <laughs> Every every episode is now Prince versus Queen. Yeah, we just thoroughly become a Prince versus Queen podcast, and we spent <laughs> yeah, each episode we'll present a new bit of evidence to further our cause. Oh, actually, that, that, that could, could be uh, quite that could good be a, fun. It could be a segment. That would be really good. Actually, I'm actually very very up for that. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Well, if. Please, please go on to our Twitter, um, twitter.com slash bigboysdontpod, and be sure to vote in the people's vote and vote Prince. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be putting that poll out soon. So please be sure to vote in the extremely democratic poll that we'll be, we'll be putting out. And Remember, let us know if you enjoyed the favourite. Remember, everybody, that Brexit was ruined by foreign uh, invaders into our democracy. What is Prince but a foreign invader into our democracy? Vote British, vote Queen. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, keep dog whistling. I think some dogs in Iceland didn't hear you. <laughs> All I'm saying is that you're on the side of the mysterious Russian monetary investment into this Prince versus Queen campaign. Yeah, definitely. I've got the backing of Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> uh, sorry, I mean um, Paisley Park Analytica. Uh, <laughs> Uh, right, okay, let's call this. Yeah. I'm losing my mind here. Let's call so, it. So, yeah, uh, email us at bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com if you'd also like to share your opinions on that. Let us know what you thought of the favourite, if you like Yorgos Lanthimos as well, what you think about the Oscars, anything. 
We'd love to hear from you, always. Yes, what did you think of the favourite? Yeah. Who's your favourite queen? Is it Queen Anne? Is it <laughs> Queen Victoria? Is it Queen Elizabeth II? Let us know. Is it the Dairy Queen? <laughs> is it the Dairy Queen? Yeah. Do is, you, it the, uh, is it the Snow Queen? Do you like to walk your ducks? Yes, <laughs> where, where is the best place for you to walk your ducks? But yeah, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really do appreciate it. And leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. Always helps. Much appreciated. We'll be back next week to talk about Moonstruck with Cher and Nicolas Cage. Oh, yes. <laughs> Bye-bye. Very excited for that. Bye. <laughs>